MSU Hoops racks up two Big Ten wins. Aiden Childs finally meets Zeke, and the hockey team wins one at Yoast. But without Stevie Izzo's Kobe shot, can I even bring myself to care? You're listening to Can't Read, Can't Write. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Can't Read, Can't Write, the podcast that proves Spartans can talk. I'm Mike Jones, joined as always by the man who best enjoys MSU games by refreshing his Yahoo Sports app, Kevin Greck, and the man who is our MSU hockey expert, Graham Couch. Gentlemen, how are we doing? Graham, thank you for being here. Yeah, you guys need a new hockey expert, but I am very glad to be here. I think there was (laughs) two columns this week on the hockey team, Graham, if I'm not mistaken. Two of them? it was. It was exciting. Yeah, I know it was. We made this, and we skipped a hoops trip to Maryland, which we haven't done in a long time. That tells you the state of state of oh. things to um, with hockey. the The best news I, about hockey actually was not just that we covered them, and not just that they won in an extraordinary fashion on Sunday or on Saturday night, but it was the web traffic on the Friday column when they lost seven to one, which I thought would be nothing, and instead it was. Uh, over the top, really just tremendous, which is important because if hockey is going to be a serious program at Michigan State, it can't just be there's a little bit of a bump when they win and overall program columns work, but when they lose, it's just this apathy. That that doesn't work. If you're a serious program, you got to be able to be covered like MSU football and basketball, and people have to read when they're angry and frustrated and things don't go well, and that's what happened this weekend, and it was a big moment, I thought. Well, we know that people are most engaged when they're upset. We've seen that in our own in our own uh, metrics. But Graham, if you could send all of those analytics to the Big Ten Network so that we might finally get some hockey games off of BTN Plus, I would be so grateful for you. It's it's unbelievable. It t- every time it takes me like twelve minutes to get my Roku to log in correctly, and uh, I, I I don't even understand why it can't just. I wouldn't even be mad. If it just stayed logged in, like yeah. every other streaming service I have. <laughs> you get to expense I, that, by the way, right? That $10 a month. Okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Thank for a while, yeah, 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 I do. But but you often forget about things. Like for a while, we, we didn't even realize it, but we had three um, Big Ten Plus subscriptions. Only one <laughs> of which I was, you know, expensing. One was on my wife's, uh, one of my wife's credit cards. The other was on another of mine I was forgetting. about. like, I, yeah, it's. Somewhere in Chicago, some intern is looking at all the BTM Plus subscriptions. They're like, the, the Couch Household are big fans, man. I don't know who this guy is, but... Throw I'm no longer them. allowed to have streaming services in my name because I, I like in a random afternoon, there'll be like a, a soccer game in France that I want to see, and I'll sign up for the seven-day free trial. Yeah. <laughs> or I'll sign up to a, 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 a like VIX, which is has a lot of uh, Mexican soccer, but I can't figure it out how to cancel because it it's all in Spanish, and and so those sort of <laughs> things now go right to my wife. She cancels immediately. I get my seven days, and everybody's happy. But we no longer get the repeated seventy dollars charges that start showing up, uh, you know, months later. So probably best for the marriage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is what true partnerships are. They're they're you know identifying what the strengths and more importantly the weaknesses are of each of the parties and then fixing them you know so here we are <laughs> 
Uh, well, of course, we want to thank everyone for listening. And if we could ask a small favor, please share the pod with Spartans Your Life. Rate, review, subscribe wherever you get podcasts. And of course, follow us on Twitter and Instagram at SpartanerScorePod. Greg, what are we doing today? Oh, we got the green wall uh, where football always leads, including this week because Stevie Izzo didn't score. Um, <laughs> then we'll go off Grand River. Uh, maybe I can get our Coastal Elite uh, podcast host to actually talk about the Lions for a minute. And then we'll take your uh, Twitter questions. Uh, all right. So let's start behind the green wall with football. Uh, MSU picks up uh, Demetrius Martin as a cornerbacks coach, hiring him away from Oregon. Um, Call the man Coach well, Meat, Jonesy. Yeah. He wants to be called Coach Meat, as I understand it. So call the man Coach I Meat. I feel, feel very comfortable with that. <laughs> Graham, have you met Demetrius Martin before by some like happenstance? Never have. Familiar with him, obviously, from when he played, um, but uh, have never met him. I mean, Oregon yeah, so fans, Dem- very big, very complimentary of him on his way out the door, which is a good indicator. Um, apparently, yeah. very good recruiter. Uh, also just had his son on campus and is well known as a development guy as well. So in addition to being all big 10 back in 94, I mean, this seems like a big pickup from a like, conference foe. Yeah. I mean, I think it's, it's, it seems, you know, from a 10,000 foot view, like an ideal pickup because it is somebody who has a track record as a recruiter. Um, you know, I read the development stuff, although every, a lot of, you know, people say that about a lot of people, but, um, but he's also familiar with Michigan state and, you know, when, when you're bringing in a lot of, you know, West coast guys and trying to build a staff, you know, and, and, you know, having somebody who has familiarity, uh, at, you know, at MSU, I think, I think all that stuff's important. I think it, it was, it's important with Courtney Hawkins. I think it's important to have people who know the lay of the land, even if it's a long time ago. Because the thing about Michigan State, for better and sometimes worse, is there are a lot of things about it sort of culturally that that, that, that don't change in, in terms of priorities and, and uh, just sort of the way the place is always operated. It, it is interesting. This is at least, well, I don't think Oregon State was particularly thrilled that Jonathan Smith took like all of the staff with them. But the couple hires that he's made externally, uh, Joe Rossi, Minnesota fans seemed not pleased to be losing him, uh, whereas some of the hires from the previous regime, I don't know that um, I don't know that anyone was crying that Jay Johnson left their program. Um, so, yeah, it's it's always a good sign Why because you know usually fan, usually fan bases hate coordinators, right? I mean, mm-hmm. at some point, like Michigan State's fan base will hate one of these two coordinators. I don't know which, maybe both. And I don't know which will happen I plan on it. first, but it, it's sort of natural. <laughs> I mean, look at, look, Narduzzi was the fame, the one that everybody wanted fired right in 09 and then yeah. you know, became, uh, obviously, uh, well, you know, people loved him by the end. But um, yeah, no, I, I, I've been impressed with everything Jonathan Smith's done <laughs> without really having a great feel for it from him himself. Like, it, it just, things seem to make sense, and that's a good start. Sometimes people can make moves that you look at and you, you question, and then there's a really good reason and they work out. Uh, but I think it's 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 always helpful when you when you you know you land the quarterback, you land the transfer quarterback, you you land certain guys out of the portal that seem to make sense. Your coaching staff seems to make sense. You keep the guy that everybody wanted 
you to keep in Courtney Hawkins. Um, you know, your right. your emphasis in recruiting early on has been very Michigan based when you needed to get to know this area. I I think those are all smart things. And I think we're going to chat a little bit more about your column here in a second, but the, um, I think it was the lead of the column was about just how Jonathan Smith seemed in his most recent press conference, seeming a bit more relaxed. Um, do you, not that he's ever struck me as particularly nervous, but like, is, do you get a sense of growing comfort and, and even maybe a self-assuredness in in being able to execute on what he wanted to execute on, right? Like, so he's got his plan and he's doing what he wants to be doing versus sort of pivoting out of necessity. I think taking over a program in this day and age is nervy. Like, it is, it is hard because there's so much, especially in those first three weeks of December, so much that happens, so much that so many guys you can lose. recruiting classes have to come together staffs have to come together and i think even if you're pretty confident in your ability to build a program it's a lot Mm -hmm. and and i think it's too much frankly i don't think Mm -hmm. the signing day should be before february the high school signing period i think that's got to get get moved and and they're going to have to adjust the calendar even with the new playoff and i mean think about this a year from now the championship game is on january 20th so and while that only may be a one or two year thing before they move the whole season uh, back a little you, you can't have the portal opening in late january for kids who you know the, the semesters are already well underway and, and all that sort of stuff. It, it just right. doesn't work they're, they're gonna have to figure out a bunch of stuff but um yeah no I, I i thought in his press conference most recently he seemed like somebody who felt at ease and while there's a lot still to do you can look at the roster and say okay there's enough there there's a base there the, the guys who are going to stay are going to stay you, you got Aiden Childs. You, you you know what you're going to do at quarterback. Your quarterback room is more. I mean, there's a real chance in early December that the quarterback room is a disaster. Right now, you're going to get somebody because you got enough NIL money to do it, and there's only so many of these guys, and there are a lot of them in the portal. But you may not get the guy you want. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, and so I I think there's a lot of reasons why he probably feels a lot better about things. And it, even he kept bringing up the idea of his family coming in February in the next month and, and sort of that was now on the horizon for him. Like the idea of, okay, this is now something I can right. focus on getting, getting them here. Um, as long as we've got Graham here, can we uh, absolutely torture him by talking about recruitments and uh, commitments for the next, like call it 50 minutes on, on this kicker and transfer outline situation, Chelsea? I think we should. Uh, so we've got one high school boy to talk about and one grad transfer. Mm-hmm. Uh, so MSU flips Martin Connington, which feels more like it should be a character in Harry Potter uh, than anything else. But he's a, a high school kicker who uh, kickers use a weird star system. So I think he has nine stars to his name. Um, it's probably at least like 15 stars. <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I, Graham, I don't like... I don't. It, I, we've been actually, I think, as a fan base, pretty lucky as it relates to specialists. Notwithstanding that one moment in time with the place kicker, but like Coglin, Kim, Berenger, Eckley, like we've had a good run here. I don't know how to care about a high school kicker at all. Will they be good? I, I yeah, I wouldn't. Um, yeah, I wouldn't. <laughs> you know, I, I I wouldn't care. You know, I, I think the. Yeah. Because a couple things. One, you don't know if they're going to stick. 
and how long mm-hmm. they're going to be and if they're going to get recruited over and what's going to happen. And then you, you just, with kickers especially, you, you just don't know what sort of moxie they have to them until there's a lot of pressure. That's so much of the job is not whether you can boom it from 55 yards, which is great that Jonathan Kim can do. I mean, he's, he's, a, he's a good find. But it's more important that you don't miss inside 40 very often. Mm-hmm. And, and, right. and so I think that that's the stuff you don't find out um, when when the pressure's on till till later. Yeah, I I I don't want to. I mean, disparage the kid. I'm sure he's a fine kid, and if he winds up being an important player at Michigan State, I will care then. Yeah, Martin, you should disparage him because it worked well when you disparaged Conan, Cohen Carr. So just keep the hate <laughs> for high schoolers going. going. Uh, we <laughs> also get Luke Newman. Uh, transfer from the Holy Cross where he's an All-American. Um, this is a big, like, kind of step up from him, for him, for him right? Uh, going from one program yeah. to the Big Ten. I say this as someone who's very short, but I think he's only 6'2", which makes him pretty short for an offensive lineman. Uh, and uh, and I think he's... But he's like 3'10", maybe? So he's he's a big boy. Um, but Do you think big Jonathan Smith, grew up- like the athletic profile for Jonathan Smith. Cause he's such a, he's such a <laughs> short King that he's like, I'm going the other way on this guys that are former walk-ons that are little that everyone got that chip on the shoulder. It's the opposite of the tuck approach of like, if they don't pass the Georgia test, then I'm out. Um, I like it <laughs> so far. It, there's been no games on the field, but it's working. <laughs> And it, and, 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 and six two as an interior lineman is okay at the college level. You can, you can, uh, you can get by. Yeah. And, and experienced guys who I, I don't think you it, with this offensive line and how much it's held back the program in the last decade. I don't think you can have too many possibilities to work out. Um, and if kids, you know, kids call and or you have a connection and you think a kid can play there or might be worth having, I think it's worth taking a chance on every single one of them. Yeah, I don't see how MSU with the way the offensive line is played has, we should take every FCS all American. Like mm-hmm. why would you turn that down? Truly. Um, what, well, especially yeah. think about, I mean, F, offensive linemen are the hardest to project. They're the, the recruiting of them is just all over the place. I mean, Jack Conklin, again, no D one offers could have gone anywhere mm-hmm. and look what he, look what he winds up. It's just hard to, and when you talk to coaches about what they evaluated in him as a junior in high school, nobody saw it coming. I mean, it wasn't like everybody, you know. Right. And you look at Taylor Moten, who was at Okemos, right outside Michigan State's, uh, you know, backyard. Michigan State didn't offer him and, you know, winds up being a second-round pick of the Carolina Panthers, and they really could have used a guy like that, and he absolutely would have come to Michigan State. So it's it's a really hard position. So when guys wind up at FCS schools, doesn't mean they're not capable. doesn't mean – it just usually means they developed late. Um, go ahead, Greg. Speaking of late developing, you had a piece this week in the LSJ uh, about the ceiling for MSU. And in re- you know, listeners, if you haven't seen it, do sign up for the LSJ's free seven-day window or whatever it is right now, but then pull a gram and forget to cancel it. Just let that thing roll. It's really um, hard to cancel anyway. It's like a guy in Bangladesh somewhere, and you have it's it's tricky. You have to go to the chat and and negotiate with someone where they offer you multiple different offers, which I always accept. And then eventually maybe they'll cancel it for you. Um, But as part of that, you talk about 
the NIL ceiling. You introduce, and I think you broke the story on this, I could be mistaken, that the new NIL collective is kind of helmed by Greg Williams, MSU's newest billionaire booster, question mark. I mean, there's another piece in your uh, in your paper about how he bought a golf course to live on in East Lansing. So that's who we're dealing with. Um, so I'm interested in the NIL side of things at MSU. Uh, there are new uh, articles going on, uh, going out right now about how Ohio State's spending somewhere in the 15 million range on their team this year. And it is like spending somewhere in the 15 million range. I think that's the best way to describe it. Given the boosters that MSU has now, let's expand upon your piece a little bit. It seems to me that the high end might be taken care of, but you have concerns about kind of the low end or the mid end of things, kind of the historic, you know, folks buying tickets, getting the expensive seats. How do you engage those people? Do you think? And, and it's really tricky. Is there actually the appetite to do these, do that at these big, really like top heavy NIL collectives that are being run by billionaires or presumed billionaires. I think there is, but I do think it's tricky. And it goes back to, if you go back to the beginning at Michigan state with NIL and I cut people a lot of slack on this because, um, you know, people didn't know what they didn't know for mm-hmm. a long time. This is all pretty new. You know, Greg Williams, Ishbia, St. Andre, they, you know, they were all part of SD4L at the beginning and they all thought, that they were going to be able to fund Michigan State football for you know three million dollars, and that was part of the problem was that Michigan State underestimated what it was going to cost. Mm-hmm. Now again, it wasn't until I think Ryan Day came out with that statement that a lot of people realized what it what it might what it might actually cost to to, to do this. But at that point, my understanding is that those guys were pretty much going to fund it on their themselves. You know, fund it themselves. They could handle that and and didn't. Uh, mind doing so, uh, and I don't know how great their outreach had been to other, especially the mid-level donor level, because that's what you, that's what you need. You need people who, you know, the everyday person at Spartan Stadium already gives a fair bit for their tickets and the Spartan Fund, and and you know how much more disposable income does somebody really have? I don't think it's a a model that that ultimately can can fund NIL at the level you need. But I do think there's another tier of donor that has something to give that you need to you need to tap into. From what I understand from the Greg Williams component is that is something he is looking to do. Um, And certainly the fact that that sprung up speaks to the branding issue with SD4L. Um, And, you know, but there there are other things. All the players retweeting it too. Yes. Yeah. And it doesn't mean SD4L is going anywhere. They've still got a contract to be the official you know, deal with with MSU for a while. And and that's what funds the basketball program, you know, right now. And, and, and so I think there will be components of all of it. The, the, and then the flip side of that is the one that is probably the most donor friendly is this is Sparta because mm-hmm. it has a tax deductible component with the charitable component and it's more donor driven. Like with this is Sparta, you and I don't know how Greg Williams is going to operate his, but with, with SD4L, you're, you're just sort of giving money and they use it as a pot when they need to pay a player. Whereas with this is Sparta, you can say, I want to give this to, you know, MSU hockey, I want this to go to MSU gymnastics. I want, and, and I want to 
anyway, that, that's how they're they've done it, and so it's a little more uh, donor directed. And I think there are advantages there. And ultimately, I think if collectives are going to survive, that sort of collective is probably the better the better way to go. But Greg Williams has a lot of money and cares about MSU and wants to do this, and so um, it, it is it is going to cost. I mean, from what I understand, just in terms of commitment that they need to uh, fulfill, I mean, you're, you're talking double digits in the millions, you know, 10 million or more in terms of money to, and that has been promised to players. And so that, um, that's a challenge. And, and then to do that repeatedly year after year, I know these guys are billionaires, but if there's, you want, you want winning, you, you want some level of return on investment. And that's the trick with all of this is there just isn't much return on investment other than the potential to win. And maybe there are some perks that come along with, you know, donating to these at a certain level. But uh, that's going to be the challenge for Michigan State because my, my biggest question with them is, can you, like, you, you do not see another program, football program in the country where the fan base cares about basketball like they do at Michigan State. Mm-hmm. And maybe care about other things too. And then does football financially really really well and and is is at the top tier it just doesn't it just doesn't exist and and that's okay i just i i just question whether um there's the sort of daily aching for um something at that level so what what the football program needs you're telling me is for Izzo to retire and then we hire kevin willard or whatever um, and it just stagnates forever. And then the entire fan base can just focus on one thing. Knights can go to the NHL. Um, just maybe just cancel all of the other programs except for football. And then there's a chance that they could thrive. Maybe. Boom. You've got it. Uh, either that or, or the, you know, I think the better, the best thing Michigan State can do is build, to build something sustainable is win enough that it, people get excited and feel like you're on the precipice of something. And, and I also think, but, but we'll see what the response to rival, look, look what Ohio state's doing right now. Mm-hmm. I mean, they are buying everybody they and, they are. Are bringing, and, and they're bringing in, I mean, coordinator, you know, Bill O'Brien is their offensive coordinator there. I mean, th- that is a response to what has happened against Michigan. That is your rival has done something and you are now going to respond. And, and cause what, what's happening isn't okay. And so are you I mean Michigan State obviously hired a new coach they're trying to do a lot of things but you know Michigan is at the mountain what is your, what is your response to that to compete and and that's um I guess what we'll find out Do you think it's possible there's diminishing returns on an aisle a certain point where you you hit a plateau and there's other factors that come into play at that point coaching actual development those types of things or is it as simple as if you can be the Yankees, you can go buy national championships. No, I mean, I, I mean, even look at outside of NIL, look at what Penn State has done where they have more talent than Michigan, but don't seem to have the program where Michigan is, right? I, I don't think that's, that's enough on its own. I, I think there's real danger in just recruiting with NIL. I think you're much better off maintaining a roster with NIL and, and telling kids when you come here, and you perform, this is how we take care of you. And you're going to lose out on some kids, but you'll get kids who want to be there. And then, you know, you'll keep kids who you won't waste as much money. Last year, the guys that Michigan State was was 
paying. Some of them were barely on the field. And, and there were guys that, from my understanding, you know, you would think were being paid, weren't getting anything. And that was part of the frustration. It's just when you when you're paying in the out of the transfer portal, you're paying in the recruiting space, you're not paying for production, you waste a lot of money. Yeah. And that's the hard thing with 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 this. And then the other thing is how much of this is temporary in terms of how it's done right now. And what is, you know, two, three years from now is a lot of are a lot of things in house in terms of paying athletes and how that changes everything. I think that helps Michigan State the more it gets in house. Um, but it because Michigan State is one of those schools that can can afford it, but can't isn't going to outspend maybe, you know, outs, you know, the in the NIL world isn't going to be up there with the uh, with the top with the top sure. teams. Just asking you to speculate, looking at the new Big Ten understanding the degree to which Ohio state is, is paying and understanding where MSU is at tier wise. Where do you think right now, as it stands, MSU NIL sits, is it one tier below Ohio state with a group of others? Is it another tier below that? Where, where do you think speculate? Yeah. And this is speculation. Cause I do, I, to be clear, I don't know the state of, other NIL programs very well within the conference. But I mean, based on MSU's, you know, NIL commitments from what I understand and what um, I, I do think MSU is probably in that second tier. It's not, it's not far um, now, but that's a, a, a year to year thing, right? It's not, you got to be able to sustain it. You got to have momentum. You got to have energy. But I, I think um, there's no doubt that MSU was late to the NIL game in certain ways. I mean, they were ahead of it and, and sort of the ways NIL was intended, <laughs> and then we're, we're, we're sort of hesitant to go into the murky waters where everybody else is, where, you know, and, and they've realized that. I mean, they have. And, and that, you know, how much, like even the athletic department, the, the conversations there have changed from where, I mean, like Haller would never say, never say this on the record, in part because I think athletic directors and administrators have been told to be careful with this stuff um, about where if if an administrator is directing fans to give to a collective that puts the university more on the line for what that corrective does collective mm. does mm-hmm. but you know i think if you had him over a, a few beers right now he would tell you um that they just assume you give it to an nil collective than the spartan fund which mm. is a different message than a year ago the trick is if that's how you feel, how do you get that message out? Because you can't say it if you can't say it publicly, really. And, and um, I think that's a lot of individual conversations with donors at the level, you know, we're talking about. Because most people just giving, you know, 50, 100 bucks here or there, that, that's not going to make the difference um, that, that matters anyway. So, but you do need, I mean, people are getting, I think, more and more comfortable with the idea, more and more. Uh, I get fewer emails. Uh, just simply asking what is nil that was like <laughs> <laughs> did you have that on like copy paste like nil is <laughs> I, I have definitely sent a very similar email that may or may not be word for word <laughs> back to uh you know between 15 and 20 especially of our print our older print readers trying to figure it out <laughs> um I guess it, one last thing, and then we'll move on to uh, to some hoops conversation. But, uh, it, I mean, the thrust of the article is that you think if there's enough money there, and it seems like you're suggesting for the moment there is, uh, 
that MSU's likely path to success is still through a developmental path. And, and the, the point being is that Washington and Michigan did just that. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, because they didn't win with, with the five stars that, you know, like there, there's a period really between 2000, you know, um, 15 and 23, where if you look at the teams in the championship game, it's mostly almost always in the winner, at least, you know, one of those programs that you go, boy, I, I don't know if Michigan State could ever do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if they can play quite at that level. Uh, but I, I do think a couple things. Right? I think NIL and the transfer portal is creating more parity because kids want to play. They can move. They can leave. I don't I don't think the talent's as condensed as it was. Uh, NIL is creating opportunities to, to fix things quicker, especially at certain skill positions. Um, if you can have now. I think coaching is really important in the sense that if you look what's happening at Alabama right now, Alabama still has a lot of NIL. That's not an issue. Um, they're losing guys because guys went there to play for Saban. Right. And right. so you, you want a coach that is looked at and a staff that's looked at as they develop guys, they get guys to the NFL. They, they do, you know, you, you still, you need that um, w- without, without question. Um, but I, yeah, I, I do think for MSU though, it, and, and I think they made this statement when they hired Jonathan Smith. They hired a guy who's a program builder, a program developer, it, it, who knows how, how to do it at a program where down the road you may have another program that's your rival that has more resources. And, and so I, I, that, the statement, you know, I always thought MSU had to decide what it wanted to be before it decided who it wanted to hire. And when it hired Jonathan Smith, that was them saying this is – what you want doesn't mean you don't shoot for the moon, but you're, you're, you're doing it differently than maybe you were trying to do it in the last regime early on. Not that those guys didn't want to develop players, but they were really trying to recruit at another level and, and play the game at a different, in a, a different way than Michigan state really ever had. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I think it's also, I don't know. It, maybe they did want to develop players. I, I think we were trying to come up with a list of players who got better under Mel Tucker and, it's a well, I, yeah, I didn't. The, the, the compete to play, compete to stay line was not great in hindsight. You know, I mean, yeah, <laughs> it's you did, they didn't build camaraderie. Yeah, it doesn't. It's not. I mean, yeah, I mean, I I get that players have to compete, but it, it came across as you know, get better, get out, and uh, that's right. I don't know, just doesn't probably create the family vibe you're you're looking for. Yeah. Uh, all right, let's chat some hoops. Uh, so we had two games this week. Uh, MSU wins them both, uh, one over Minnesota at the Breslin and then one on the road at the Xfinity Center against Maryland. Uh, Graham, is, uh, let's, let's start with that Minnesota game. Uh, ends up being a 10-point victory. Felt a lot tighter for most of that game. I think it's fair to say that, that Minnesota, for large, a large chunk of the game, shot way better than their season averages did. But MSU also maybe didn't come out with the defensive tenacity we'd seen at times. Uh, I don't, you were there, uh, I assume. Uh, sort of, what were you seeing courtside on that? I was surprised by Minnesota. To be honest, I didn't. I had watched them on TV a number of times and didn't think they were. I mean, I, I'd seen them play okay. They were better in person. It's one of my favorite things about the seats that uh, that I the seat that I have at Breslin Center is that there are times where I mean, you can tell instantly that you've overestimated or underestimated a team. 
and doesn't really matter what their metrics are. You just know their capabilities are a little more or less. Mm-hmm. Um, there have been games where I've, you're watching, you're like, I don't know how this team's going to score a single point. And then with Minnesota, right away, I was like, these guys aren't like it, it often comes down to a team want believes they can win there. Like you can see it in the bench, you can see it in, in how they approach it. Like they were not scared of the moment. Um, they've got a, you know, just it's a pretty, pretty okay team. I mean, I, I'm pretty impressed with what, uh, what Ben Johnson's is. With the so, Lions offensive coordinator, I get those guys confused all the time. But what he's done in, in, in to get that competitive. So there was a game last year I, where I like ben, ben Johnson, Johnson was mic'd up, and we all got to hear what he was saying. But you live that every home game, is what I'm gathering. You get you you do get the opposing team is right next to me, so you get their bench and their yeah. You you get a real sense for, of of the opponent better than MSU in a lot of ways. Um, and like James Madison early on, it was like. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Like, like, yeah. like you right away, like these guys came to win this game. They, they are not in awe of this. This is a this is a resume win for them. Uh they think they can win. Their fans who are here think they can win. They are dialed in. Um, yeah, I know that so you get that. And then you see teams that are looking around or guys giggling on the end of the bench or coaches that don't have an answer, and you can kind of you can kind of sense it pretty early on. Hmm. Uh so uh in the Minnesota game, uh, you know, I, I think the the big story was well, twofold. Malik Hall hits his thousandth career point as a Spartan, and then also notches a double double, which I think was his first of the season. Uh, 16, uh, 16 points, twelve boards, uh, fouled out, four assists. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, I, I'm starting to feel a little bad about how we came down on Malik after that, I mean, absolute stinker of a game against Northwestern, but over, I think he's averaging 14 points over the last six games. And that's includes the stinker of a game. Yeah. But if you're a fifth year guy, you you can't have that game to that degree. Thank you. You I needed that validation. Yeah. The the problem is, you know, if, if Malik Hall has a game where he goes one for 12, that's, that's fine. That happens. You have a bad shooting night. Like that's not you being sort of taken out of the game, and it just you know. And that's that's the problem. I, I think of that Northwestern game is that, um, and you know, I think with with this team getting to trust a couple of their older players, I think a, a lot of this season is about can you trust AJ Hogard to repeatedly game in and game out be the guy? Can you trust that Malik Hall is going to be the best version of Malik Hall game in and game out in a sport? that ultimately ends in a single elimination tournament, right? I mean, it's, it's, it, you need to believe those guys are going to be there when it really matters. And, um, you know, I, everybody deserves a mulligan here and there. And I think Malik Hall is playing really well right now. But, but that, I mean, that game deserved criticism. And, you know, he has said before there are days, but I, he is not, he has said before that there are days where his body just feels like he doesn't have it anymore. Um, but he has not said that about that specific game. and. Um, and I think that was a lot more last year late that he would just have a day where he just couldn't, just didn't have the lift or didn't have whatever and could tell really quickly. Hmm. I think something that's frustrating about watching this team is that there is a world in which I could see this team competing for a national championship. This, I mean, we, we saw him go toe to toe with Arizona uh, for, for a while. Um, They've, uh, we'll see what they're able to do against Purdue, but they can at times play at a really high level on both sides of the ball. And 
but I don't, it, you talked about sort of trusting people to do that. And do you think the fan base or you in an objective sense, what amount of data has to come in to get to a place where you can actually trust this team? Good question. It, it, it is always evolving for me, at least. And one of the things, like the reason I thought we'll get to the Maryland game in a sec, but the reason I thought that was important, and they've had a couple, especially on the road, uh, but they've had a couple games now where things have, at some point, they've been behind in the second half, right? And have had a pretty good response. And the reason that's important is that this team is always going to be a team that is capable of like the first half at Maryland and also the second half at Maryland. And what you need is. <laughs> A, a team that is then when it gets tight, not scared of the moment, a backcourt that's willing to take the big shots. That and, and what I am beginning to trust with them is you'd rather be them than probably the opponent in an early round NCAA tournament game that's tighter than you think. And, and you know, and, and ultimately to get a chance to take a shot at the great teams, they're going to need to also be able to get out of tense moments with, with other teams along the way. And that includes maybe a few more times in the big 10 play to help build the seed that you want in the NCAA tournament and get the number of wins along. And, uh, you know, like this game, I mean, if they win this game at, at Wisconsin, which I think, I really do think is 50, 50. I like the matchup. I know the first game was Malik Hall was just sort of out of it coming off the flu and all that. Um, you know, they, they've got an outside yeah, shot of yeah. getting back in the big 10 title race. When you just look at the number of the types of teams that are ahead. Um, so but they're going to have to win other games that are unexpectedly dicey or, you know, are close late. Yeah, it's a perfect opportunity. You teed us up moving to the <clears throat> to this uh, Maryland uh, game where 10-point comfortable lead at halftime. It evaporates in something that felt like 120 game seconds. All of a sudden, it's a tight game. It's a dogfight through to the end. But ultimately, they close it out, and they do so with Trey Holloman, you know, poking the ball out and making a huge play at the end of that. So it is sort of like this is a team that is full of vets. This is a team of guys that have seen everything at this point. This is a team of guys. I mean, Trey Holloman, I think right now is maybe I I you know hesitate to say this in front of you know a noted columnist, but he's the story of this team right now. And how far he's progressed and the fact that we had to do a public apology on this podcast several weeks ago. Um, I mean, Trey Holloman you... has me looking forward to next year. Like, that's where I'm at. Yeah. Like, yeah, we get DM'd a great take of like Trey Holloman is the Jade Nakins that we were always promised. And I, I don't think it's a perfect like comparison, but I think it it is accurate. I mean, shooting great from three. Fantastic assisted to turnover ratio, and the defense has been really strong. So you get one on the road. Jonesy, you've got a note here about how the only two teams prior to this that had won at Maryland in the last two years were UCLA and Purdue. Like, as frustrating as it was to watch, it's a massive road win in the Big Ten at the end of the day, right? Yeah, absolutely. Because first of all, they hadn't done it yet. And, and, and until you get a road win, they hadn't won away from other than that game in Detroit, which was a home game, really. They, you know, and until that happens, at a certain point, it becomes like the story of the season, right? It's like this thing that you can't get over. And 
And that becomes a problem. It gets in people's heads. You, you had to get it out of the way, number one, and then it just allows the rest of the season to happen. Um, but, yeah, it, it was it was a game where things – I mean, Jay Nakins getting hurt, I think, really hindered them in the second half because he changes who they are athletically and have the balance or the lift. And I think that's uh, will be interesting to see going forward this week and whether he's able to 100% for the game at Wisconsin. Um, yeah, it was a game where things went wrong. And they 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 still won after things went really right. And uh, like you're not going to shoot 58. If they had shot 58 percent for the whole game, in some ways the game would have less value because mm-hmm. that's not really who you are, or that's right. not real. And they did that for a half, and then you know we saw the other side of their shooting, which sometimes shows up. And uh, but they still find find a way to to uh, grind it out. And Holloman is I'm, I'm doing going to do a sit down with him relatively. Uh, soon here before they play at Minnesota when he goes back home. Um, because I, 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 he is one of my favorite stories on the team and favorite people to talk to and talk to people about, in part because you look and it looks like he was recruited over in a lot of ways. I mean, they bring in and, and Jeremy Fears and, uh, you know, they bring in Jace Richardson here after that. And Trey Holloman was a four star kid out of Minneapolis, not a bad, bad player. But just looked like a solid dude that was going to be sort of passed over and had no intention of leaving. And when you talk to people about last summer, one of the things is, you know, his mother basically told him is just if he knows you care, he'll run through a wall for you and he won't. He's not going anywhere. He really likes it at MSU. And so there, there's that. Compo- but he was determined to whatever role he needed to be. Um, you know, he was OK doing it. like he went from being the backup one. And figuring that out last year, how to get minutes and be solid. And if I don't turn the ball over, I'll get on the court to, all right, you're bringing in Jeremy Fears. He's going to play. I'm going to play mostly at the two. And this is what I've got to do. And I've got to be able to hit shots. Then he goes back to a role where he's, um, you know, doing both again. And I talked to Thomas Kelly on the staff about that because Kelly went through a similar thing in the 90s. He was a point guard all his life. Cleve shows up. You know, he gets hurt for a while. He comes back. He, and just sort of the the difficulty and and within a game and, and the different rotations of coming back and forth and, and doing both positions and Holloman's handled it really, really well. Yeah. And uh, I think it was important that he played as well as he did at Maryland because his road splits had not been very good. So I think it was a yeah. big game for him uh, as well. And um, yeah, I, I, look, I, I think it was an important game just because, you know, you can get games where things go well and you win. It was not a game where things went well and they still won. Uh, you know, one of the the sort of conversations that that gets had about MSU because their record has is evolving, uh, but that the 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 computers all loved them, right? So you know, Torvik, I think at one point in time, recently had them in the top ten. Uh, they've been long in the top twenty five, sometimes top fifteen in net, like. Watching this team, do you feel like the truth is closer to what the computers have it at, or is the truth closer to the anxiety that the fan base feels about the team right now? Yeah, like I don't see them as a bubble team at all. Um, right. And, and it's just because I've seen Michigan State as a bubble team. Right. And, I mean, it's not that these guys couldn't lose enough games to screw that up, or because they only have so many wins, they could have a, an injury or two that really sends them down that that path. But I think of like the team that 2014, 15 that went to the final four, even, but at this point in the year, wasn't very good. Or uh, the, the miles bridges, freshman year squad. And obviously the COVID year team there, there have been a a number of teams that have been 
like true bubble teams um, where you didn't know 100% which way it was going to go. This team is just, I mean, you're not going to get a backcourt like that that misses the NCAA tournament that's healthy. It's just not going to happen in, in college basketball. And they, they had, it took them a while to figure it out. But the numbers love them because of who they played. And some of it actually, I mean, they didn't know James Madison was going to be that good. They didn't know Indiana State was going to be really good. But, you know, that all created this. Uh, yeah, so I would, to answer that, you know, I, I think they are, I mean, I would consider them just from a talent perspective, you know, and they're, they've got flaws and holes and all that, but they're a top 20 team. There, there aren't many, you know, there aren't many teams, and I know Arizona can lay a dud on the road in conference play and everybody can do that, but there aren't many teams on a neutral court in a showcase game that can play the second half they did against Arizona and, and the country. There, you know, maybe a dozen that would even have a chance to do that. So I, I would say top 15, top 20 is, is, is um, just because of what their backcourt is, is who they are. So, Graham, you mentioned earlier you got to watch this game at home. Congratulations. Um, that must be nice. You. you don't have to drag your carcass across the country to watch uh, college basketball. If the Lion, It would have been an interesting discussion if the Lions weren't playing at 3 o'clock. <laughs> there was definitely – there were a lot of things at play. Michigan State hockey was one of the things at play. The Lions at 3 was definitely at play. There were some – there were some, some things. So your editor came to you and you're like, yeah, 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 let's do that. Let's do that. I'll go to hockey. I went to my editor, actually, and I was like, how about we do this? And they talked and they were like, yeah, yeah, let's do that. Well, one of the benefits of that is that you get to see, you know, the broadcast, how the rest of us uh, consume these road wins. And unfortunately, in this case, it included Rafferty, who I love describing Jeremy fears as being the, uh, I believe it was a victim of an unfortunate accident or something like that. I don't even think you said victim, but yeah, it was unfortunate. accident. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and this is an ongoing thing that, that we've been chronicling here. The big 10 network basically refuses to acknowledge it. Uh, I think Robbie Hummel deserves the most credit of anyone to even acknowledge that he was shot, but TV has decided, and it does seem to be decided specifically that they're not going to mention Jeremy Fears at all. It, my question for you is twofold. One, is there something about this situation that's not being reported that is just kind of generally known in the media about maybe the story as it exists is inaccurate? Or two, is it, is there, what is the motivating factor really in? the fact that we refuse to acknowledge that Jeremy fears was the victim of gun violence. And that is why he's not participating in sports right now. It's weird. First of all, I, I, I'm very aware that you guys have done a nice job bringing this up. I, I'm a, I'm a regular listener. So people, oh, should, people should know oh. that. And, uh, well, oh, no, for example, you guys, for example, a few, uh, few shows ago, you brought up the point that for the, um, uh, the anniversary of the shooting at Michigan State, that you would like a story on the response at other universities uh, around the uh, the state. You know, what else? Yeah. And, you know, I don't know if it's going to be done or not, but it immediately was, you know, it's been sent to the editors as an idea and something we ought to do. And that, you know, so you guys are are, are shaping our editorial decisions here on uh Subscribe to the LSJ, write, everyone. So, so yeah, I don't even know what to say. That's too kind, Graham. I don't, I don't deal in compliments. Okay, come on here and insult me. I know what to do with that. I, I don't know. What to do. All right. Anyway, to, to your to your question about Raftery, like it stood out and it was it was so cringe. I mean, it was just because. <laughs> 
I mean, it, it is what it is. And, you know, I don't know anything more. Like, if there's something else that's going around the situation, it is not widely known. Yeah. I, I don't know that there is anything. I certainly don't think the TV folks know it if it, if it, if it is. And I think it's just this, it, to me, it, it reads like something where in politics, people are afraid to, to offend people. And so they're afraid to offend the pro-gun crowd with the idea that somebody, I don't know, that's all I can think of. Like, but that makes no sense. This is a, this is a, an isolated incident of violence as, as far as we know, where, uh, you know, and, and, and it sucks, but it, it, it that was a situation where somebody entered a house and started shooting, you know, yeah. and that, that, that's what happened. And I don't know why we have to ignore that fact. And, um, it, it's weird that people are dancing around it. It's, it's un. It's 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 just silly, really. It, 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 I don't know why we can't just be, be adults when bad things happen and um, speak. I, I understand that networks are tied to the schools and they have all these contracts and they're not really independent media in that sense. And so everybody's careful about this stuff. And and they do have conversations sometimes with coaches beforehand and, you know, meetings where they get more information than 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 sometimes the rest of us do. But that, it doesn't. Um, yeah, it's just it's been weird and it's been unfortunate and it's been cringeworthy. Yeah, it was it was really wild even in the immediate aftermath that because I, I think it was actually Hummel on that call too though and didn't acknowledge it when there was like a real basketball application to it. MSU had been yeah. playing well. Jeremy Fears had been playing well for a freshman, was a big part of the defensive thrust of the team, right? Like and then he's not there, and so now presumably AJ Tyson and and uh Holloman, uh, Trey are all going to have to play more minutes, right? Like, like uh, it was just, it was bizarre. Um, it was like, so, if he tweaked his ankle in practice, you would just say that you would talk it, about it. Like what's MSU going to do without their backup point guard, but he gets shot and they're just like, <laughs> let's dance around this entire situation. And it, and it wasn't like it wasn't reported, you know, yeah. <laughs> like they're right. a headline. It's not like you're, You've got some little bit of information that nobody else has. It, it's it's been a headline, you know, twenty times over. I mean, what? I, yeah, it, I I don't understand it. I don't understand why. You know, and Raftery is. I mean, I love I love Raftery, and you know, he's. Um, I would love to have a beer with him because I've heard people who do have a great time. Um, but <laughs> that doesn't surprise me at all. <laughs> yeah, no, he's. I mean, I've been on elevators with him at four in the morning when he's in like, like his eighties, and you're like. How does that guy look that good coming home from the bar? You know, this is amazing. This is great. Um, and, uh, and you know, he's probably not the best vehicle for that thing, but for that sure. situation. Sure. Um, but, and so I, if anybody, I'd cut him a break on just being an artful, maybe as much as anything. But the fact yeah. that it's, it, if it was a one-off or the television broadcasts, you'd say that's Raftery, it was an artful, whatever, it happened. Uh, but the fact that it's been sort of a repeated thing is, is bizarre. It's it's also strange, it just it, not to go too far afield, but the conversations around Terrence Shannon Jr. have also not been well done by TV. Uh, at times they say the unfortunate incident, and it's like, mm -hmm. what? Right. <laughs> what? <laughs> that's that's I mean, a situation I, I'm glad I'm not covering. That yeah, that is, yes. I am so grateful not to be covering that on a daily basis because that one yeah, is not. Uh, I mean. Boy, I mean, when you when you get a, a standing ovation for his return, and I get that Illinois fans think he's all been railroaded or whatever, but like, I don't know. Unless uh, you know, <laughs> yeah, it just doesn't say yeah. a, a good things about um, 
fans and and where priorities are and things like that. Well, uh, MSU fans can't claim to be completely innocent no, for no, the no. standing yeah. but, over but, Miles. You know, but MSU fans, you know, and MSU fans, though, I don't think would cheer Miles Bridges very like that. If you now, granted, he's not on the current roster, but you know, I mean, that that's sure. the best comparison I could have to a sort of a somebody of, of real recent time, same sport that would um, elicit a response. And I think there's a lot more now. Um, I do think Illinois fans genuinely think that this has not been, that he's something has not been done right by him. And I, to be honest, I would love to see something change in the NCAA. I think part of the problem is you have this, this clock that's ticking of eligibility and it allows, it, it makes it hard sure. and, and unfortunate to pause for serious situations. And in a situation like this, I don't care if it's a four five, six year, I don't care what it is. You know, you're off the team till it's resolved. But if you're found not guilty, you've got a whole nother year of eligibility. And I'd be okay with that. Like, we're not going to let the eligibility clock factor into the emotion of all of this. And um, that I, I would love to see the NCAA do something that allowed people to handle, you know, serious situations without the concern of, of being on the court or whatnot. Well, you have to wonder, too, for certain players, if this is pre-NIL. Because uh, uh, who, who am I thinking of that was at uh, Memphis with Penny? Wiseman. Was it Wiseman who just was like, screw this, I'm Wiseman. out. I'm going to go to the, the G League or whatever, you know, like, or go overseas. That, you know, if it, if it was pre-NIL, you could see someone just, well, I guess he's got to stay local for court re- reasons. But, um, but, but, no, Shannon, from what I understand, I mean, Shannon is the highest paid guy in the Big Ten. I mean, I don't know what his number is, but I've, I've been told that. So, um, you know, I mean, and my guess is he's got to be on the court. I don't know what the details of his contract are or whatever, but I can see there being, um, you know, a lot of reasons for him to want to be back. It's an interesting wrinkle. Um, we're going to move on to hockey. And then after that, we, we did put out a Twitter question request for you, which, I mean, like, you're not accessible via Twitter in any other vehicle. This had to be the one, obviously. Um, the, this people is don't have people to ask you Twitter. I, I saw the question. There, there were better questions though in this than some of the questions we get. I was, I was. They must think this must be a higher brow show because uh, <laughs> the questions came in some of the same voices, and they were better. They were better here. I can guarantee you that that's not the case, and we'll demonstrate that. But we, we do have to talk hockey. So they, they lose at home. Yoast, it still drives clicks to the LSJ again. Go subscribe. But then they have a massive win, or they, sorry. Lose at Munn, win at Yost, massive win at Yost, big second period, really rally. And I think, I, I believe, I was in Vegas this week and someone grabbed me before that game and they were like, you know, Izzo talked to the team this morning, so it's not going to be a problem for you, right? And I was like, I, I don't know, Tom, I mean, he, he, helped, he pulls a lot of weight. So Izzo, uh, again, apparently, is <laughs> he gets the credit for this, right? Right, Crap? That's my understanding of Mitch, the situation. It was sort of a, it was sort of my, it was sort of my Mitch album moment, so to speak. Um, it, uh, <laughs> it did. So, I, some I, people might not be on like up to date with literally everything. I will, I will explain it because there there okay. are probably four or five thousand uh, online readers who still think Izzo spoke to the team. So that uh, until that got fixed in the morning. So it. it um, yeah, I was a little concerned about that. The uh, what what happened was um, after the game, 
Adam Nightingale, we're talking Adam Nightingale and kind of a, a scrum in, in, your, uh, in, in the bowels of Yost Arena. And uh, he talks about a team meeting on Saturday morning. And it was a difficult team meeting, a tough team meeting. We, you know, da 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 da. And so I ask a follow up on just sort of the details of the meeting. I'm more curious about what is this something that was spurred, what happened, or what was said. And uh, he basically says, well, you know, we had a conversation with Tom Izzo. And he said this, this. I mean, I went back and listened to the recording seven or eight times because I was like, what did I screw up here? There is nobody in the world who would listen to that and not leave with the impression that Tom Izzo had been in that meeting having the conversation with the hockey team. I felt okay at the end of that. I mean, I was still ticked off that I misreported it. Um, and I only knew because I woke up on uh, Sunday morning to a text from Adam Nightingale um, sort of apologizing for <laughs> raising. And, you know, he's like, you know, actually, Tom just talked to me and I relayed it to the team. And I was like, that is not what I took from that. Okay. Thanks. Um <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I'm going to have to, he, I think he tells stories a little bit like um, my mother in certain ways where she thinks you have all the information and maybe you don't and leaves out key details. And, you know, and so I'm just going to have to be more careful with uh, diving in to follow up questions. Um, but uh, yeah, apparently he did not actually, Tom Izzo did not actually speak to the team. He spoke to Adam Nightingale, who relayed that conversation to the team. Um, but I'm just glad I didn't lead with it. I mean, I was high up in a tweet, obviously. Um, but at one point, I was like, hey, this is the lead of the column. I don't know. And uh, I was glad it was at the bottom and not quite as uh, prominent. But, yeah, no, it was, uh, it was an incredible uh, performance Saturday because I really – at 4-1, I'll be honest, I was looking up flights to Maryland and whether I could get something out of DTW late that night. Mm. I was thinking – you know, and I didn't honestly know if I was going to do it. I didn't really have my stuff with me. It was like, what would I look like grubby tomorrow in, in Maryland? You know, this is not, this is not do, well Do planned. I have the deodorant for this? Yeah, uh, right. On press row. But, um, you know, you're, you're, you're next to those. That's not, it's not the greatest smelling group to begin with. So you can, you can get, <laughs> um, no, you can get by. But, you know, I, I didn't know how serious it was. But I was like, yeah, yeah, you know, the flight prices really haven't gone up that much. Um, and then it was, it was pretty incredible to watch and it, to see their response come out of that timeout in the middle of the second period. And Michigan definitely got sloppy, but um, it also, they were, they looked like a team that was determined not to have what had happened a night earlier happen. And I think that response, even if they had not been able to complete the comeback was, was sort of as important as anything um, from them this weekend. Do you, uh, so besides asking Adam, who all was in the room every time you talk to him. Uh, but it, there is something, uh, I, I'm sure donors and fans will always drive home to coaches. The, the animosity that, that we have to, uh, towards the university of Michigan as, as fans and, and, uh, and, but as an institution, but thinking about all the new hires that, that have come across all sports, um, and thinking about Tom as sort of a, uh, I guess, a, a godfather to the institution, if you will, and being able to sort of uh, instill sort of a, a cultural through line, if that makes sense. Uh, someday he won't be here. And, and I wonder, you know, 
like Jonathan Smith comes here and he has zero ties to this place. Uh, and, and I wonder if, if, you know, we've talked about after the tunnel incident, like the, the tension between the two schools and the two fan bases, if, if there's something to um, a sort of institutional clean break. Um, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I do think once you've played in it a couple times, you get it. That's from what I hear from athletes and coaches quickly. So I don't know that you – I do think it was interesting because Izzo's talked about this before. His screwing up early on, he was so – he hated Michigan so much. And he was so emotional in those games. He just didn't coach them very well. And those are those mid nineties games when he first took over, like his, and, and he had been at the school though, you know, a dozen years when he actually took it over the job, like he had tried to recruit against, you know, to get Chris Weber and the fab five, like he had been through mm-hmm. a lot of things. So it was, it was built in. Um, but I think even when you're a hockey program, that's been beaten up by those guys for a while and you've got some guys who've been around, um, you know, you, you can, and things start to go haywire as they did on Friday and you lose your cool like that, there is a, a moment where you have to remember, I mean, the, the key is playing really good hockey. You know, it doesn't, you know, it may be temporary satisfaction to hit somebody with a fist in the jaw or whatever it may be, but it's not, that's not going to get you anything good. And, 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 um, and so I thought that was, that didn't happen in Washington message. County. Uh, yeah. So yeah, I, I, you know, look, I thought, you know, it, it's cool. They play two more times too, because um, I, I, I love in hockey that they meet four times a year because I think by the fourth time there is real animosity on the ice for sure with, with every individual group and, and matchup. For sure. For sure. Should we close out Jonesy with some Twitter questions yeah. for our guests? Yeah. Uh, which again, I really want to thank our listeners. Graham does a Twitter show every week on Couch in the Room. <laughs> you can do Thank this you for sending anytime <laughs> questions just to us for us to read them. Uh, I feel bad. This feels like they're saying something about Jason, and that's not nice. Uh, all right, so Graham, first up from Stupidest Shardy, one question. Uh, you said a few weeks ago on Couch in the Room that it isn't your job to look into Stallions being on the MSU sidelines. How the heck not? It's the biggest story in college football, and the best photo evidence of it happening is on the sidelines of MSU. Whose job is it? Yeah, I don't know if that was the direct quote, because he does make a, a good point there. But um, the I, I would say the way it was phrased in the question a few weeks ago was uh, more about Connor Stallions and the everything that was going on there. And that's just not the beat that I cover on a daily basis. That, that was my, my point. That it is fair that to, to check in on what's happened with him being on the sidelines at Michigan State is a, is a fair thing to expect from, from media and probably should be done. The fact that nothing's come out of CMU yet is weird. Um, Crazy. If it has, I've missed it um, and apologize. But uh, yeah, so no, no it's a, it, that's a fair expectation that the, the MSU component of it would be something that was followed up on and, and probably should be. If I can sort of tack onto that, do you happen to know, is there a, you don't need to attribute this to Hal or anyone in particular, but just let's say amongst MSU sports admin, are they a little pissed that that happened? Like, is is CMU going to get an invite back ever? Because I would think not. You know, it's not something that, I mean, I remember when it first happened, it's not something there's been real vitriol of. There really has. I, you know, I think there is a sense that this wasn't like some conspiracy from the top at CMU 
to uh, sure. you know to, to thwart Michigan State's program. And so, I, my guess is it won't have any any lasting ramifications because um, it has not been something of all the things Michigan State people get annoyed by. Michigan has not been something that's brought up uh, regularly. All right. That's a bit of a bummer. I like some vitriol. Yeah, vitriol is uh, great. Uh, it's our whole thing. Um, second up from Stupid Shardy, uh, Graham, heard you uh, heard your take today about scheduling events. I hope you have nothing planned in October, just in case the Tigers make the World Series. They won't, but fine. Uh, also, all of March, MSU basketball, and May, June for the Red Wings. Um, he adds, uh, stupidest take, honestly. Love you, nonetheless. I've had worse takes, but this this take was um, <laughs> for people who are wondering what it is. That my my co-host on Couch in the Rube took a, a ill-planned trip to Mexico last week. Uh, in you know a, a fairly big time of year, like the Lions were playing in you know just played in uh, the wild card game, and then we're playing in the divisional championship. Michigan State was playing important games, and we didn't do a, a single show. Um, or any of that because he left like immediately after that that lions game last sunday that and he then attended, he was, by the way right well then he missed this one because he was on a plane on the way back from mexico and that that angers me even more because i have very few skills in this world but one of them is seeing the potential for that problem six months out and and logistically that would never happen in my world and i would like to be able to handle his logistics my mother also I mentioned went to a poetry reading in the middle of the Lions game. And like, I don't understand why that was, you know, like these are the, th and I'm not saying that can't be, that's a different audience, but you know, they should at least be aware that this could be an issue. And that was my only point. And I would just like, like to schedule. Uh, I would like to be the, I would like to have everybody schedule and, and, and I can just point out the potential problems uh, in the community. I, look, this, this all stems from, I would say in 19, 92 in January of 92 when the Lions last played in the NFC championship game I was a 12 year old whose voice had not changed starring in a mall in the night visitors at St. Paul's Episcopal Church in downtown Lansing of course and um that night I at least the night of the um of the game I at least was in the chorus did not play the lead so I could see the game backstage for a while but I still to this day don't know why that show wasn't rescheduled. Like it didn't, didn't, didn't make any sense. Like as soon as that time was going to be an issue. Anyway, I've always thought that sort of thing. And uh, that, that's where that stems from. As long as we're on this subject and you've been very generous with your time, that's actually part of my follow-up. Stupid as Shardy takes five sentences here, just tearing you apart and then ends it with love you nonetheless. I am curious, you've been on this beat for a long time. You're on a fan podcast right now. What do you, you emotionally, how is it dealing with this fan base? How is it like navigating that relationship? Like, how has that changed over time? Like, I'm curious, you, you do this professionally but you still have to kind of thread a certain needle here. And I'm, and then also you have to live here and interact with these people. I'm curious where you are on all of this right now. Yeah. I mean, I really enjoy it to be honest. I enjoy every, I enjoy like that, that sort of takedown and then also appreciation in the same tweet is something I really enjoy because I think if you are going to have opinions and you're going to have takes and you're going to tell people, 
how they ought to think and what they ought to do. And this was a bad play. And this is, you ought to be able be, you know, to take criticism. And I think as long as it comes from a place of critiquing the, the idea and not being crass to the, to the, to the person, I mean, that I enjoy that give and take couch in the room has helped a lot because people have gotten to know me differently. Um, and and sure. we try and give people, you know, we'd spend a lot of time giving people a voice. So I, um, it, when I first took the job, it was a little bit of a concern. Like I initially turned down the job at the LSJ for a little bit of that reason. Like it, the idea of writing my cranky opinions in front of my first grade teacher who just emailed me three days ago, right? Like I didn't know if I wanted that life. It's sort of the George Costanzo combining of two worlds. And I think that was my intro column. That's what I didn't know if I wanted. Mm-hmm. And uh, I like coming up here to hang with friends. I like playing basketball people here. I like my parents being here. I like the community. I didn't know if I wanted to work here. And, um, but I'm so grateful I did because that's, yeah, I mean, yeah, there are occasionally interactions where people are really angry at you or frustrated or, um, but as long as you, you know, address people with respect, it usually, you wind up with, um, with responses like that. Um, also, I just have to say stupid shardy in, in defense of Graham. He's not doing anything in October because he's covering MSU football, and he definitely has March boxed out for MSU hoops. Uh, <laughs> and if we're gonna if we're gonna attack anyone, it's our dumb co-host who's not here who got married on the Michigan Michigan State right. weekend this past year. So, um, and we gave him tons of nope. shit for that. I enjoyed. Uh, yeah, I, I remember that happening and being like, well, that, "That's an interesting time um, to get married," <laughs> but. Uh, it, my co-host is also the other times he's usually, I think the only vacations he's ever taken, most of our vacations are because of me are this one to Mexico. And then usually like in March madness, somehow he winds up gone for a week and you're like, ah, <laughs> bro. Yeah. yeah. Bro. <laughs> in fairness, he got sort of uh, pulled along on this one as I understand it. So he, he did. He did. Uh, next up from the Jer Bear, who doesn't know anything about hockey, so we don't have him on here. Uh, Graham Couch can eat how many pizza nugs in sixty nine minutes? It's a crunchy question. Are you are you a crunchies person? Well, okay, I'm I'm gonna sound like an idiot here, but a, a pizza nug is what? Like how big is that? A, a pizza roll. I think it's it's a yeah. glorified pizza roll. A roll. Like I at mean, Totino's, you know, the little rectangle things. Yeah, no, I have a sense. I'm just trying. How many? How much time do I have? Uh, Sixty-nine is a number that he came off okay. up with, presumably off the cuff. If I'm allowed to throw up, I, mean, I could probably. Nathan's... I can't imagine. I I gotta imagine I could do at least, you know, fifty or sixty. Okay. Minimum. That sounds easy. I I don't. I I've never tried it. Yeah. I, I mean, I can eat a whole pizza. So that's you know. I mean, I, how many pizza rolls is that? And uh, I can do nine donuts in 10 minutes or, or whatever. So, I mean, that's. I can say that I um, can house four it's not something I should be proud five of, actually. pizza rolls. No problem. So you're, okay. I think you'd be good. I think the harder thing okay. sure. would be if you were thinking about it rather than it was just like an yeah. ever ending bowl that was next to you and you were just like going to town. And after 69 minutes, like God came down and was like, Bro, you just ate 80 pizza rolls. I think that would be harder than if you put 80 pizza rolls in front of me and were like, eat these in 69 minutes. I think then other factors would get involved. But anyway, 
Um, you have it here, folks. Next up from Jason Fry, where does Graham rank himself in the hierarchy of best basketball shooters associated with MSU? Respert, Mopete, Neitzel, Bryn Forbes, Tyson Walker, Kirk Manns, Kenny Kamiski, Skiles, Couch, Denzel, etc. Where do you rank? I mean, last, that's a pretty good group of shooters. I would say last <laughs> by a long way. Uh, what was, what, 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 is it at any point in time or was it when they were, you know, I mean, yeah. I'm going to no, speak for Jason here and peak. say peak versus peak. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I, I I fancy myself a decent rec league shooter, but those uh, that's not the crew. Put me up against Tum Tum and I'll 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 I'll, I'll speak differently. <laughs> I do love I the we inclusion. All would, we'd walk in with some confidence. Jason Fry sneaks in Kenny Kamiski on this list. And unless there's two of these, one of which existed like in the in the forties. Um well what's interesting about that list is one is not like the other, besides me. Two are not like the other, but like Denzel Valentine was not a good shooter. The others are all like natural shooter shooters. And Denzel Valentine, like freshman year guy, was, you know, not a great shooter. He was somebody who turned himself into one. So if you were looking like senior year high school, Denzel Valentine versus my peak, I would I would like to see that just only in the shooting, but um oh, really not what he became. There you go. All right. Next up is Mamapaleaf. Uh Graham, word on the street says to leave cliches out of sports articles, yet, which of the following, quote, they're in a league of their own, end quote, quote, it's gut check time, end quote, end quote, they don't pull any punches, end quote, would you correlate with MSU hockey, MSU basketball, and MSU football? So we got a real draw the line from one to the other situation right. here. Um. Give me the first one again. We'll go, what was the first one? League yeah, of their league own. Of, we'll go league of their quote. own. Yeah, yeah. Hockey, basketball, football. I don't. I don't think any of those. Yeah, league of their own is tough because I don't think any of those programs are there. Um, gut check time. I would put with uh, with MSU basketball mm-hmm. a little bit. Uh, and don't pull any don't punches. Pull any punches. I don't, that, I don't think that fits either, though. I mean, that's it's sort of what the way that phrase is is, is turned out. And yeah, I, I, I don't think any of the. I didn't. The only one that fits any of the teams is gut check time for MSU basketball, and you could argue it is for football in like a grander scheme sort of thing, but not like next season or now. Well, it, it, today, Graham, you're a co-host on Can't Read, Can't Write, and that gives you the authority to push back on Mamopolyf and to inform her that this is a flawed question and, t- and take a shot and in- if you want. It's kind of custom here to do that. So the floor is yours. <laughs> Whatever you want to say to Mamopolyf about the format of this question. I am just grateful that they weren't three cliches pulled out of my columns directly. That's where I thought that was going. I, so I was, I was actually pretty happy the way it ended. The dismount was, was perfect. And Mamopolyf, uh, while we're at it, uh, please quit putting enter into your questions. It's a real pain to put it into the outline. Next, Next up, up from Ryan, Ryan Schultz. Schultz. Graham, do you remember saying uh, the week before the MSU basketball season started, quote, they'll probably have a tough stretch or two, but if they don't look like a top 10 caliber team all year, you can absolutely be angry. I do. I did say that. And people do have the right, uh, I, I think, especially early on, the way they were playing to be upset because they that sh- 
they should have been better at the beginning. I don't think this is a team that, given the experience, and I mean, there there obviously were things in hindsight you can say, well, this is why they struggled. But, you know, with that backcourt and, uh, you know, some of the pieces returning, they, they, sh- they should have been better at the beginning. Uh, and last up, Graham, from Kevin Grek. Graham, in tech, where Jonesy and I work, a hackathon means a group of people quickly coding new products and choosing a winning idea. Of course, in your line of work, it means something entirely different. Anyway, if you and Myth Album competed in a hackathon, who would win? You really took the teeth out of this question, Graham, when... When you, you introduced the concept of what happened in the hockey column earlier this week, I was so proud of this when I wrote it. I was so proud of it. And then you come in and you drop your own Mitch album joke. And all of a sudden I'm like, well, shit, there goes my whole thing. But still, who can make yeah, up a I, better story? <laughs> you or Mitch? Yeah, no, I, uh, I'm trying to remember the last time I, yeah. Mitch certainly can turn a phrase on deadline better than me. I give him I give him that when he's really motivated to do so. Um and when he's actually motivated to do so in sports, I don't I don't I don't know how often that is anymore. But uh, uh in terms of making I'm trying to think of the last time I made up a story. In college I made up a couple stories. Um just because I was like, oh, I don't want to report this and this is for a class and screw it. And uh not something I would recommend for people, not something I'm proud of but definitely uh, did it a couple times. I don't remember them being especially good, so I will give, I will give Mitch the, uh, the nod. Oh. Mitch wins, but he also loses at the same time. So it's fine. Uh, Graham, uh, thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate it. Uh, and, and as always, it's, it's good chatting. No, thanks for having me. All right, a big thanks again to Graham Couch of the Lansing State Journal. Uh, as always, it's a blast having him on. You can catch his work at the Lansing State Journal, or, of course, his podcast, Couch and the Rube. Uh, Greg, let's head off Grand River and do that football. Oh, we get to do there the football again? Is there something going on, Mr. Coastal Elite, in the, in the Midwest, maybe? What, what was it? What happened this weekend? Or you're, you're like a big Baltimore SF fan, you know, now, these days. You know, these, these are your preferred teams, the Coastal teams. All right, hold up. First of all, I did grow up a Niners fan. I have a signed Joe Montana picture. Like, I grew up a Niners fan. That said, for anyone who's curious, I am absolutely rooting on the Lions. I'm, I'm happy for them. They seem like a great team, fun team. Uh, and I'm happy for you all. So here's the more interesting angle for me. Lifting back the curtain, we had a production meeting, as we do. Before each of these, uh, each of these uh, podcasts, we get we our care. producer. We care. We put the effort in, and you don't want to talk about the Lions, which is the biggest story for our target demographic right now, and for a guy that is so aware of the numbers and the streams and what's happening, where you just want to let the big story just walk on by. Defend yourself, sir. This should be just all yeah, okay. Lions all the time right now. All right. What did you think of Goff's play? 
<laughs> thought he was uh, perfectly fine. I'm happy for him. How do you think Goff fits into the salary cap for the future? That is a problem that the Lions will have to, to fix. But uh, I'm sure that he's just so enamored with uh, the MCDC that he'll just sign for like two bucks. He'll give him he'll give him the uh, he'll give him the Otani uh, treatment. You know, really, yeah. really, you really backload it later. <laughs> Uh, uh, I gotta tell you, uh, let's go sub. Let's incept this even further. I've really struggled with how do I host a sports podcast that's never talked about Otani as a as a player before. Like, perhaps the best baseball player of all time is active right now playing. Yeah, for sure. We don't Absolutely. talk about him. <laughs> we have never mentioned him. Signs nope. a massive contract with all these crazy angles in it. Don't talk about it. It's crazy. We're I mean, so dumb. <laughs> well, I, I mean, I guess it's just a consequence of us not really talking about pro sports here. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but, you know, and we haven't even gotten into Taylor Swift and what she's doing to the game of football. But uh, <laughs> uh, I, I will say this. I was in Maryland over the weekend. And I sat and ate some tacos and watched the lions. So that is a thing that I did. In the potential belly of the beast. I mean, that's a potential Super Bowl matchup right there. Yeah, it was. Uh, I was really lucky that the Ravens played the night before because I think no one would have let me turn the t- like they would have fought me to even have the Maryland game on. Mm-hmm. Uh. So the East Coast is weird. It is not a college-friendly place. Indeed. So indeed. Uh, anyway, it. I'm not a Lions fan. I had to explain to a bunch of people in Vegas this week how, like, I'm from Michigan, but I'm not a Lions fan, and it's because as much interest as I have in the team is they're winning. Like, I never put in the sweat equity. In fact, I specifically yeah. was like, "No, thank you. I'm going to focus on these other things." Um, and now I'm just so happy for the, not the bandwagon fans, but the real died in the wool lions fans that got passed around for generation after right. generation. Yeah. And I, I agree. Think, I think Sheila Ford deserves some credit for this too, because like her whole family sucked at running that organization for years. And when she takes it yep. over, maybe it's luck, maybe it's something else, but things start trending in the right direction. So it's crazy. Like the lions are one of four teams that could win a super bowl right now. It's nuts. To your point about luck though, I I think there's credit in this at at minimum, right? Likely deserves more credit than that. But let's say at minimum, this is the credit that she's due is that I think she's very aware that she has made good hires Mm -hmm. and has, empowered the people that she's hired to to execute right um there is a lot of wisdom that's earned in what do you need from me otherwise i'm getting out of your way right and seemingly that's that's precisely what she's done uh i also you know it's hard not to like dan campbell yeah and brad holmes for that matter like it's hard not to like them uh and i think you know, there's a lot about what I see in them that uh, feels relatable to the thing that 
that we see in our you know in our university, right? To the point where when you were listing off coaches to Graham, I was like, can we can we put the MCDC in there? Can we make him part of that? Like these are hires that sort of maybe fit the institution, but how do you keep that going? It is yeah. it is funny how that works. So uh, I will I will probably watch the next game because uh, again it, I feel I feel shame in in hopping on the bandwagon because uh, I was never there. And this and is the Niners and, the Niners bandwagon that you're talking about here. <laughs> well, particularly having grown up a Niners uh, fan, it was it's not like when I moved to Michigan that it would became easy to convert then. Mm-hmm. Like <laughs> like why why would I convert? Uh, and so, um, but I, in, in truth, I will be, I will be rooting on Detroit over, over the Niners. So, Aww. um, yeah. Um, but I, I just don't have that much pro sports loyalty. It's not in me in the same way that, that my love of alma mater is. So, uh, all right, let's preview a game and mm-hmm. then take the remainder of these Twitter questions. Yeah. And we can do this quick because this is a team that everyone's already seen. So Maryland um, right now uh, is, or pardon me, just beat Maryland. Now on to Wisconsin, on Wisconsin. Uh, Maryland is currently Ken Palm number 11, number five on, oh my God, we should cut this whole thing. (laughs) This is what, nope, keep it going. This is what happens when, uh, when the liquor store that has replaced the QD on uh, Michigan Ave sold me Great Lakes Christmas ales for $5 a six pack because they were quote out of season. And I just stocked up. I just grabbed every single one of them. And those monsters are 7.5 alcohol by volume. And I've been sipping on a few of them. So anyway, um, Wisconsin, uh, Palm number 11, as I said before. And the interesting thing about this, Ken, about this Wisconsin team, which is having me recheck it, is that they're offensive rated number five in the country and defensive rated number 50 in the country, which is the opposite of what one expects from a Wisconsin basketball team. Now, they did just recently lose. Hmm. But what's the other number? Because that is not surprising. No. The tempo number. Tempo number is 321. Basically molasses out there on the court. The whole of Cole Center is just filled with, uh, is just filled with syrup, and the players just sort of swim in it and <laughs> shoot through it. Um, now they did just lose to Penn State, as I said, on the road. But again, this is a team that came into Breslin Center. You and I were there. We enjoyed every second of it, our experience. <laughs> but it. Uh, Malik Hall was very sick for that game. Malik basically accomplished nothing in his 30 minutes on the court. Um, But as Graham said, like, this is a game where anyone could win. I I really like the matchup here. We we know the guys on that team. We know MSU's team. It, It seems something like a 55 45 type split. Like, yes, there is a home advantage to Cole Center, but... We've performed well there recently, though. We have. We have. So, very exciting game. And just as we saw in the hockey program, you can lose at home, 
and then you can go on the road. And if you're amped up, you're ready to play. You can even that series. Yeah. And, and I, and I think that there was so little to, I think when we talked about the Wisconsin game last time, we didn't talk about it from a, you know, uh, here are issues with so-and-so players game that, that really presented a matchup challenge. It was, this team did not show up. Yeah. They sucked. Um, and it was a top to bottom suck. And Malik Hall played way more minutes than he was supposed to was sick as hell. Like they were bad. And so, you, uh, you know, recall that was the same week that this team went on the road and lost to Nebraska. So that next episode, that Monday, the 11th or something of December, it was bad. It was like a funeral procession in this, in this mm -hmm. podcast, but, uh, things have changed. The team has progressed. Certain players have kind of found their roles. Maybe we'll get a Malik Hall here. Uh, and this could continue a winning streak that goes on for a while in Big Ten play, potentially. Yeah, this, that's, I think that's what makes this a bigger, bigger game than anything else, is you get this one and the momentum really starts to maybe snowball for you. Because the next game after that is Michigan at home. And I don't know if you paid any attention to what's happening at that team, but uh, Phil is Martelli, <laughs> Phil Martelli might be <laughs> might be head coaching permanently here in about a month. <laughs> uh, yeah. All right, let's do some Twitter questions, uh, and we'll have some fun at, at Michigan's expense next week. Um, first up, Mike Jones, uh, which is going to give me a chance to plug. I am. Kevin enjoying the misunderstood ginger spiced whiskey. Uh, and I have to say, we've, we've done a, a number of, of flavored whiskeys. Indeed. Some have been good. Mm -hmm. Some have been fine. A couple. We're going to keep it real with you. Uh, but the ginger spiced is definitely whiskey first with a nice little accent on it, genuinely would drink this one. Uh, misunderstood Ginger Spice Whiskey. Uh, Cosign big time on it. And it's the same with the Flying Aces, you'll recall. Uh, if you like the flavors, whether it's peach, whether it's cinnamon, wh whatever it may be, um, but you want it to be maybe a little bit more whiskey than flavor, another good option for you. Yeah. Uh, all right, Mike Jones. We were up 12-plus in the first half yesterday. Why can't we ever just coast to a road W with ease? Why do they feel the need to get my blood pressure up and stress us all out? It's yeah. right. It's about you, Mike Jones. They do it to you. <laughs> they were there on the sideline, and they were like, it's going to go too easy on my, old, my man, Mike Jones. Let's give him something to watch here in the second half. Let's take this five minutes off. or it Like, that that lead evaporated so quickly. So fast. Honestly, not to take this question away from Mike Jones, but it's like, Tom, when are we calling timeouts? I know you can do it, and I know now that you can do it outside of the NCAA tournament, but like, do you want these road wins or not, my friend? Like, it's effective. Why aren't we... Other coaches do it to great effect. You know who did? Kevin Willard. 
did degrade effect at times in the second half. Like you, you heard it here, folks. Kevin Willard, better coach than Tom Izzo, undisputed. <laughs> well, <laughs> uh, you you recognize this game. Uh, next up, uh, Mike Jones. For ninety minutes of hockey this weekend, we looked like we were honoring Dan and Cole with our effort, and then someone flipped a switch, and boy, was it a different hockey team. What do you think Nightingale said during that timeout? I think he brought Tom Izzo out into the huddle at that time is what <laughs> happened. So for those who don't know, uh, Nightingale called a timeout. I, it was in the second, I believe. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were down four nothing? Four to one, I believe. Four to one. Four to one. And MSU came out and, and scored, I, I think, four unanswered goals after that. Uh, so... Um, I, I, by all accounts, uh, his, well, according to Graham, uh, his message was like, we're just not playing our hockey and was relatively cool, calm and collected about it. Uh, I have a hard time believing that, that that timeout with just that little said is really what flipped the switch, but, uh, I'm sure we'll find out stories one day. Yeah. That'll uh, get written, next up. Though. Uh, we we should have asked Graham about Max Bola while we had him here. Damn it. Uh, next up, Beth Amaro. Which is better for this team in the long haul? A blowout win against Maryland or the squeaker we got? Oh, that's a good question. I... I... Here's the thing. Mm-hmm. I'm not at a place yet where I trust this team. Mm-hmm. So I need the computers to give us as much love as possible, mm. which is to say we need to blow out anyone that we can. But, you know, it, this won't show up in, in the computers in any way, it, but it is undeniable that there are only two teams that have beaten Maryland at home. And I, I think that's something you should be able to hang your hat on to a, a, to a degree. And I just want to say, get out in front of it now. If for some reason a bunch of other teams start beating Maryland at home, it's only because we broke them. So uh, I'm, taking, I'm taking it for right now. Very good. Next up from Raymond, who we see. Uh, if Jim Harbaugh agreed to return as head coach on the condition that U of M publicly installed a solid gold toilet into his house in addition to salary demands, would those ass clowns down the road do it? As we're going to get to in a question coming up, it seems that there's not quite anything they're willing to do. So I don't know. Uh, But Ward might offer to do it himself. Ward might offer to be his toilet. It's not clear. (laughs) Next up from Raymond, um, who has MSU's most interesting exhibition game been against? I've seen MSU hockey play the 17-year-olds in training for Team USA, as well as Canadian colleges. Spartan baseball and soccer have played Lansing's minor league teams. What do you think? I do like the Crosstown showdown between the baseball team and the... uh, and uh, the Lansing uh, Lug Nuts. That's the one that I'm I would play the. I'm going to play the Washington Generals at some point in time. That has happened, I think. I for some reason I thought it might have, but maybe I was. Uh, it was before it, our it was time, but apocryphal or something. It was before our time, but I think that took place. Um, I like that one. Those are good options. I, I think. I, yeah, I think the Crosstown 
showdown has to be it. Um, Which the uh, next up- record is not very good in, but what are you going to do? It's more about the Thirsty Thursdays than anything. Yeah. Uh, which my dad still, um, shout out dad if you're listening, uh, has fond memories of. Uh, we should, we'll have to come out this summer. We should all go to a Thirsty Thursday. Uh, Absolutely. Next up, Fish for MSU. <laughs> Greg, what do you think of the state of Jackson Kohler's facial hair? Are you pro mutton chops? What is the most ridiculous facial hair? Well, I think what's happening is there's a localized full moon in Breslin Center, and the teen wolf is not in control of the facial hair. It just happens. That, that visage is just what takes place for Jackson Kohler, the teen wolf himself. Um, in terms of the most ridiculous facial hair, mutton chops are definitely on that list. Um I'm only going to say this because it has fallen out of fashion. I don't see the tattoos on index fingers anymore. Handlebar mustache is crazy stuff. Um, mm-hmm. But it is definitely Jackson Kohler is is that's where he gets his power, right? Is from the full moon and from his teen wolf status. Yeah. Uh, Couch was talking about this earlier today on his show. It, what's going to be real sad is that if MCU makes a bit of a run, and there end up being like meaningful team photos. And Jackson Kohler is going to have that for the rest of his life. <laughs> Not because this is something we probably shouldn't go to air with, but I'm going to do it anyway. Yeah. This, this is what happens when someone gets out of Utah for the first time. <laughs> <Just> <laughs> the world expands. You could do anything. There are no guide rails. Anymore. Did you say God rails? <laughs> uh, <laughs> next up is Thomas Ambiasi. How much would M- Minnesota have won that game by in the past three years? Felt like the team handled a weird close game better than in recent past. Mm. Oh, interesting. Uh, or yeah, even earlier this year, maybe you could say. Yeah, I, I don't know. Uh, I, I feel like we've seen gut checks by this team. And, and I also, in in fairness, like one of the things that I was thinking about as it relates to the Minnesota game is that they shot so well so early in the game, so much better than they, like they're not a good shooting team. And I wonder if uh, that sort of had a compounding effect, that that kept Minnesota in the game. Um, and that they might have checked out earlier if they'd shot more to season form, but um, I don't know. Uh, I don't know. I I don't. I don't think this team has. I never suspected this team had a choke gene to it. I don't know about you, Greg. I, I think it was more just did they show up to play or not. Well, there's that chart that sort of made the rounds on Twitter this week about like how teams oh. are winning and I haven't digested the whole thing. So I haven't brought it up until now, but MSU was called out as like teams that can protect a lead. And as much as it feels like this team, maybe that's how you get this spot statistically is you, you give up big leads, but you still eke it out at the end. It, it seems like, at the end of that game against Maryland, when you needed it, whether it was Tyson Walker hitting a shot or 
um, AJ Hogarth hitting a shot, or like we said, Trey Holloman making a big play on defense, which ultimately sealed it. There were options and it came through in a tough road environment. Yeah. And for anyone who's wondering, Greg's talking about, uh, someone charted, uh, team's likelihood to either go on a 10 0 run or give up a 10 0 run. Um, and Michigan state, and I think this is still true post Maryland has not given up a 10 0 run all year. Um, so, um, anyway, I don't know. Good question, though, Thomas. Uh, Next up from Thomas. The women's basketball team seems to hang with the best in the conference. Who will they get a season-defining win against this year? Well, it's hard to say because Caitlin Clark is out indefinitely now because of that unfortunate incident that... We can all... It's so... Yeah, I I have zero problems. Do you want to explain? For the for the listenership, yeah. So, uh, Ohio State beat Iowa at Ohio State, mm-hmm. and their fans stormed the court. Very cool. Let's let's take a second to say that, like, that's cool. Uh, and and frankly, if you're Iowa, you should think it's cool that people stormed the court. When they beat you, well, as Matt Painter uh, said, they haven't lost a single game in like a decade where the court wasn't stormed. Never mind that they definitely have lost games in East Lansing where the court was not stormed. But anyway, continue. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, uh, a fan and Caitlin Clark kind of collide. Not only and that, then- but Caitlin Clark had every opportunity to not collide and chose to collide yeah and then call a flop a flop and then she gets there's there helped off the floor i i mean it is possible that you make contact you accidentally get hurt but like oof kind of an oof overall yeah uh so i would like to be able to say that it's iowa but they're not coming back uh, so, um, I'm going to go ahead and say, I mean, look, there's unfortunately no one left on their schedule. As far as I can tell, who's ranked, I think Iowa might be the only ranked team in the league. Um, uh, Indiana 14. Oh, right. well then, Hey, on on the Pecock, it's a road win, but we're going to call it right now, February 8th, on the Pecock. So, I guess not not an opportunity to go uh, rushing the court, but still a big win at that new version of Assembly Hall, whose name I cannot pronounce even still today. Uh, yep. Next up from Ali, uh, who do you want to play instead of Louisiana next fall, and why is it Wyoming? I mean, it would be, uh, it would be great to take down Jay Johnson, right? Here, 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 yes! Finally, someone takes him down. And I'm watching a cult documentary with my girlfriend. If you were to start a cult, what is its core tenant? Um, Drew Stanton. <laughs> Drew Stanton is the golden lamb. <laughs> yep. 
Yep. Yep. People start chewing upside his house. It's real weird. Uh, he doesn't understand. But he will begin he to understand, understand over time. Yeah. Um, next uh, up from the Keith Ski, and we kind of discussed this, so this is perfect. What's with the NIL group and who runs it? So uh, uh, part of this is, um, as we said, Greg Williams. I think there are other um, potentially other high profile uh, Spartan donors whose names may already be on buildings involved in this as well. But I don't think that's been reported. I think that might just be rumor. May or may not be sitting on their seats from time to time. Okay. Uh, anyway, um, so... It, I think that's who runs it. The The question is, and what we discussed earlier is how involved will the public at large be right now? The website is a landing page. So who knows where this goes, but Greg Williams is a real presence in MSU sports right now. Um, and hopefully will continue to be because in spite of running a, private company he appears to be big rich so uh next up from keith how much did childs get rumored to be paid so keith ski's really just calling us out for our fence sitting that we're that we're doing a number of zeeks a number of zeeks um and because Uh, because we're not giving you what you wanted in the answers to your questions, we'll give you a third one. Uh, who has the more frustrating in-game goofs? Hall or Hogard? It's a good question. This is it, why he's our reigning champion. It's for sure Hall, though. Because it, Halls are all, you dribbled too many times. Or you refused to show up over the course of 23 minutes. Yeah, it, I mean... Yes, right. It, it, like, I, I think it's fair to say that that Northwestern game was inexcusable. But in the the aggregate of the last six, seven games, like, he has played well. Um, I'm hoping that maybe we can look back at that Northwestern game and LOL together. Um, but Hall is still... It's the dribbles. It's the dribbles for me. Yeah. Next up from Kate Wall, who understands comedy, and I will give you incredible, just so much credit for this. Never give up, people, on a bit that you believe in. Will you apologize to Malik now? I can't. (laughs) Never give up, though, Kate, because it will pay off for you at some point, eventually. Probably, maybe not, but... I still who knows it. I'm not putting my money on Malik to make it. (laughs) Yeah. Credit needs to be given due for Kate for that. It's it's well done. Next up, Beppe Plum. Uh, (laughs) Teachers work extra time to accumulate, quote unquote, snow days. If we don't use them, we worked for free. I consider my position to be salary, but the contract is for one thousand four hundred twenty five hours. Each district is allowed to choose how many days to accumulate. My wife has nine. My rural district needs 15. Now, you know. Hmm. Fun. Now I know. What's uh, I always thought what was worse is if you get too many snow days, then you got to keep going into the summer. <sighs> brutal. Mm-hmm. I understand it might be different when you're getting paid for those days, but that was that always sucked uh, growing up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's next? 
Uh, next up from Beppe Plum, thinking back to 114.24, Stephen Izzo scored his first basket. Goff leads the Lions to a playoff win. My wife offered without me asking. <laughs> we got enough snow to get a week off school. And some days are just perfect. So mark your calendars, folks. Uh, circle 114.24 and call it Bepe Plum Day. Bepe Plum. <laughs> uh, also, Bepe, really want to thank you for your excellent questions. <laughs> Next, Next up, up Jer Bear. Do you like your damp plum soaked in rum, bourbon, or fireball? Oh, fireball for sure. He's feistiest on the fireball. Rum is good. Is. Bourbon's fine, but it's the fireball for sure. No doubt. When, when Plum has his little plastic uh, pint of fireball that he's sipping out of is is the best Plum. Uh, next up from Jerbear is playing good for 35 out of 120 minutes and getting a split hashtag good. It seems hashtag good, right? It, like I, w, man. I don't think this is quite the barnstorming that we hoped for MSU hockey, uh, but still, the split is the split. We'll see what happens in the in the next weekend, but you got to be happy with what you got. And I, I think this team probably learned something about itself with the way that it all played out. Yeah. I think there's a maturation and build that's part of this, right? Mm -hmm. Like this is part, hopefully this is building towards a lore. Yeah. And I, I don't know if this has been said in the podcast, but it's a truism that always comes up on the broadcast. MSU is, I believe, the third youngest team in college hockey. So these guys are still learning and progressing. Uh, literally, their frontal cortex is still developing. Mm -hmm. uh, next up, Dan Hellpepper. Why do you think Jim Harbaugh asked that his new contract specify he would not face any punishment in the event that he were to cook and eat Warden Manuel? <laughs> People are uh, asking. Dan do you want to? Do you want to explain the the bit for anyone who? The bit is the speculation is that the university, and we don't have this, Keith's key. Thank you very much. Uh, but the speculation is that um, what is holding up the contract negotiations between uh, Harbaugh and the university is that they want a golden pair. They want an out. They want a backdoor for NCAA violations. And he would like to still get paid even if those NCAA, inevitable NCAA violations come down. So um, as we actually haven't talked about adjacent and importantly to that is a change in NCAA rules that took place. I believe a, within the last couple of years that puts what's known as strict liability on a head coach for the actions of staffers. So if one of your staffers does something wrong, you as the coach are liable, yeah, irrespective of whether you directed that action, this might be incredibly relevant for Jim Harbaugh, mm -hmm. who's in, in, enmeshed in a giant cheating scandal. It's kind uh, of that so. uh, institutional control thing that people have been saying for so long, but now institutionalized i think the more interesting question is how delicious would ward manuel be mm. it depends on mm. yeah good question good question 
he's built for it. Um, next up from Sharpvert, um, at what point do we start giving Plum diazepam via IV? Did I say, did I say that? I don't know. These. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, Sharpvert, I don't, I don't know these these druggy drugs. You know, I'm a straight shooter. I, I, don't, I don't know what these references are. Um, via IV, just so he doesn't have a breakdown with all the missed free throws. We talked about this in the production meeting as well, that this was his moment and he wasn't here for it. Can I you will, imagine? I will say this. If I was having a meltdown about the free throws, I can only imagine that uh, Plum had to go uh, send Yali, his dog, to his sister for reasons that we don't need to talk about here. But I'm wondering if that actually was that he had to go bury Yali because he choked her out. I was going to say, one presumes he's not here because of what happened due to the free throws. Next up from Sharpvert, who brings back the prop bet of the week. Number of true road wins by MSU the rest of the season versus number of seasons Izzo stays at MSU after this one. Over under 3.5, adding they have seven road games remaining. Let's, uh, I think there's an important caveat that has to come in here. Does he win a natty this year? Yeah. Or any of these years say, next year. I think it's safe to say that it, more likely than not any year, really, but probably not this year. I'm going over on both. Okay. You heard it here, folks. Um, then we're going to give him, he put in four here. We're only doing two these days, Charvert update. But uh, uh, I'm going to give one was, to you. This is a combo. Uh, Sports Illustrated just faced some massive layoffs, uh, leaving many MSU fans to wonder if the great Hondo Carpenter survived. Are there any specific uh, Sports Illustrated magazines that were impactful to you in your budding stages as a sports fan? I can't say that there was for me. It wasn't the sports. Um, I was more of a Wheaties guy, personally. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I had Sports Illustrated for kids, which you might be able to Google and kind of figure out what age I am based off of that. I had that for a couple of years. Um, I don't know. Sports Illustrated. Never really read it. I'm part of the decline there. Did you ever spend any time with Sports Illustrated? No, I, I mean, and it's not like it, I read other magazines, but I just never... I never read a sports magazine. Right. So that just. Uh, and I think I think something that's true of me, I don't is uh, some people get into a sport, right? Uh, for me, it was I always was more invested in a team. And so sort of national coverage to this day is not particularly interesting to me because it's not, you know, uh, there are certain topics that will become interesting. We usually talk about them here. Um, but like, you know, I, I don't, there's zero, like when you get to a national publication like that, you're already getting like the most milk toast analysis of a team anyway. 
So like to read something about the Alabama football team in Sports Illustrated already sucks and is also of not interest, not of interest to me. So like I just you know, it wasn't for me. Yeah. But it's good but that said, I can recognize that what happened is SI is is sad. And the end of something. It's a it's a massive uh, brand that yeah, is is a bummer. Um especially the Hundo part. Finally, from Mamapolief, uh, which one of these equally contributes to women's sports teams and or will bring back swim and dive? Uh, Spartan Nation, this is... Spartan Nation, NIL, SD4L, or this is Sparta? Okay, first. Graham wouldn't do this, Mamapolief, but we will. Okay. Like, I want to be really clear. The and or, let's focus in on the and or. So you don't <laughs> care about women's sports if swim and dive come back? Like, I, I'm just confused. What's your priority here? Like, pick your virtue signaling and then get back to me on your thesis. But anyway. You know which SD4L. one can be struck immediately? I was going to say. No, SD4L made sure that they announced, and because they're, they're tied in with the athletic department, do have to be Title IX compliant. So I believe the entire women's basketball team is contracted uh, with SD4L uh, as, as well. Uh, this is Sparta. Does, does do a lot of work with, uh, with other, other teams, particularly women's teams. I, I think the entire gymnastics team is signed on with this as Sparta. Um, and so I think if I, I don't know that we can speak to them being equally contributing to, because it is, as Graham pointed out, uh, contributor driven. So there's a lot of earmarking dollars for particular teams. Um, and so I, you know, and then also we don't know a lot of these things because there's not transparency around, um, around reporting as it relates to these organizations, other than we do know that SD4L is Title IX compliant, and so you can read into that some degree of, of equality. Uh, but Spartan Nation NIL, I don't, like, is your biggest no to all of these things, seemingly. For the moment. I mean, we don't know. For the moment. It might end up being the most transparent and the best of them. We'll find out. But none of them are going to bring back Swim and Dive. <laughs> So, yeah, want to be really crystal clear about that. Uh, as clear as the water in a swimming pool, you might say. Uh, anyway, Greg, this was a good one. It's and been I know, a real. Uh, Graham wanted to say go green. He's not here to say it, so I'll say it for him. Go green. Blue all. <laughs> go white. <laughs> 